What's up, witches, and welcome to Witch Space. I'm Gemini. And I'm Scorpio. And for today's Witch in Time book, we have The Book of Lilith by Barbara Black Coltov. Dr. Barbara Black Coltov. She wrote this book in 1986. And I just want to start out by saying she is not a witch. We're kind of like going back. Not only going back in time to 1986, but it's kind of like giving me like margaret murray vibes i was gonna right? say the same this thing. whole idea right this is somebody who's not a witch um they're not even witch adjacent they're not even you know somebody who's a ceremonial magician or something like that this person is a psychoanalyst specifically a Jungian. she is well first of all she graduated in 1962 from columbia oh, wow. opened her practice in 1963 and went to nyu for her degree in that so this book itself is marked as psychology slash mythology. And we're looking at Lilith from a bunch of different perspectives, whether that be Sumerian, Babylonian, Hebrew mythology, Persian, and a bunch more. I'm going to say she sticks most closely with Hebrew mythology. I would agree. Right? Like, I feel like it was more that. Not that that's good or bad. I'm just saying, like, she they mention a whole bunch of stuff in the book. And then, like... What's up, witches? I'm Gemini. And if you're wondering, Gemini, why are you interrupting your own podcast? Well, that's because it is after 10, 17, 23 at midnight. And if you're hearing this, that means we've made some minor changes to this episode to more clearly and explicitly reflect the material in the book. We mentioned originally that Dr. Black Colton references a number of texts throughout the book, but we want to be really explicit about which ones and from where. She references mythology from a variety of sources, including Persian, Babylonian, Akkadian, Hebrew, Christian, etc. She references specifically the Talmud, a text called the Zahar, the Old Testament of the Christian Bible, the Epic of Gilgamesh, and other religious and mythological works. Dr. Black Kultiv is a psychoanalyst, a Jungian psychoanalyst, and so this work that she does is her meditation on the mythos of Lilith. One of the things that we learned in the message that triggered this is a little bit of information about the Zahar, which is one of the texts that she references. This is a Kabbalistic work from the 13th century. And what we learned about this text is, first of all, it's got some dubious history. We're not quite sure who wrote it. Modern scholars think that it wasn't the person that is referenced in Dr. Black Colta's text. And we know that this book, while having a Hebrew name, is written in something similar to Aramaic. It's not quite the ancient Aramaic because it was written in the 13th century. It seems to have been kind of done in an attempt to make the text older. Knowing this information for me does change the way I relate to this material a little bit. So you might hear us talk about the Book of Lilith again when we do our here and wrap up. However, when we discussed the book, we looked at the idea of Lilith as a dark feminine and what looking at Lilith would mean for a modern witch in 2023. Hopefully this context helps you to understand the book a little bit better and is a little bit more explicit about where Dr. Black Coltive is pulling her material from. For accountability's sake, I'm just letting you guys know I did remove, to the best of my ability, the material that was either mischaracterized, misleading, or incorrect. For a podcast that is at least in some ways educational, it doesn't feel appropriate for us to leave incorrect information in, even if it is for accountability. And with that, let's dive back into the episode. 
Yes. And believe it or not, my quote's going to come at the end. No. At the end of the yes. episode or the end of the book? Yes. Oh, end oh. of the episode. Oh, fuck. All right. Because it's a quote that I feel wraps it all up. Oh, that's so smart. And because I was pulling for a quote and I'm like, you know what? I, I, they're not really quotes. There's not really anything. Like the first thing that I had was, okay, so who is Lilith? And I got this from the back of the book, but it's not much of a quote. It's it's really stuff that we knew. Like, so who is she? So if we had to describe who Lilith was, for people who don't know, um, in older mythology, she was Adam's first wife. That's mm-hmm. basically what it comes down to. Now, how she's interpreted is going to depend on how you see her, right? Yeah. In some things, and they talk about it in the book, she is the serpent that tempts Adam and Eve, right? She is the mother of demons to other people. Um, she is the, the, the embodiment, in a way, of the neglected type of great goddess, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, like, goddess imagery, goddess imagery I'm talking about in the way we see a lot of maybe Wiccan mythology and whatnot, kind of going with that. And there's even a, a, a mention in the book about her and Hecate. So yes. kind of like, right? So, you know, why would we choose this book? Why did I choose this book? First why of all, did you this, book, this book, I feel, this book is something that has, I don't want to say plagued my life, mm-hmm. but I feel like it's always there. Like, I forget about this book. Right. We've been doing this podcast now for five years. Yeah. I've had this book forever. OK. And I'll go into a witch shop and there it'll be. Or I'm on Catland's website you. and it pops up. And I'm just like, yeah, what about Lilith? Like, how come we haven't discussed this book? It's funny because I bought it back in the day when I was in college. Do you know when I read it? Right now. Yeah. Oh, shit. Really? <laughs> yes. It's one of the few older texts that I have that I keep going. And even in my home, I'll go buy it and go, yeah, I'll be back for you. In all of these years, I have moved three, four times, five since. And the book is still there. This book is just, the book is still there with my Gardner books and my Cunningham books, right? Not as old as Gardner, but it's the 80s. I mean, definitely a contemporary. Well, not really, because she's not a witch. I was going to say of like Buckland and Cunningham. Mm -hmm. But so why did I choose this book? Besides the fact that I think I had to force myself to read it for whatever reason. (laughs) We've been talking this year a lot about shadow work. Mm -hmm. We've also talked about how do you look at mythology? If, If you're a witch, and we keep saying, go to the books, Go to the mm-hmm. books. And then we've even done whole episodes where we're like, see how this mythology was looked at? So between shadow work and mythology, I said, okay. And I guess maybe this is geared more towards people who identify as women. But I think men can also gain from this. There is this feeling of guilt. This feeling of what does it mean to be modest? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be respected? Respectable? You know, Women right now are fighting for their rights to own their own bodies, which is insane. And when you go on social media, you have all these people, people who, you know, identify as men, but not all men, who are coming out there saying, well, you know, here are red flags, people not to date if she gets her nails done, if she has a tattoo. And it's like, yeah, why do you have such opinions about that? But if you really think about society. Mm-hmm. 
there's still a struggle with what's acceptable. And a tattoo on a man is sometimes a lot more acceptable than on a woman. So I love that there's so many female-centered tattoo shops, right? Because mm-hmm. there are more women. First of all, women can tolerate pain. Men saying it's painful and all the women are like, this doesn't even hurt. Okay, so, actually though, can we have a moment? Because that yes. is a statistical reality. Women handle tattoos better than men. Women statistically are less likely to tap out of a tattoo. Like I just need that. To, everyone who listens to us knows that. But I need to say it out loud. For It's just a thing. It's a real <laughs> thing. It's facts. Well, even guys that are tattooers say that. Yeah. I've seen people into where they're like, yeah, women. I'd rather tattoo women because they're not going to be. Yeah. We're dope as hell. So, but anyway. Yes. So what I, what I want people to take away from this book, whether you are non-binary or you do prescribe to the gender binary, I think we have to take a look at the role of women in society. I think the mythology here is a very clear indication and how we still somehow deep inside, even... The people, even me, who's going out there saying, hey, you know what? Women should do whatever they want. There's still stuff that I had to fight through. And I wasn't even raised Catholic, but it's in my culture, right? Mm -hmm. In everybody's culture, we have this idea of what a woman is supposed to be. And I think reading about Lilith today in 2023 is so powerful because it'll help you do the shadow work you need to kind of break free of a lot of that nonsense. So um, I we were talking before we started the podcast about like, we think this is going to be a big episode. And I said like, hey, get ready to talk about chapters one through three, introduction one and two. And Scorpio was like, oh my God, you didn't finish it? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm stuck. Like I keep coming back to the topics in these chapters. And like, that's very much why um, I, this, this book made me, I think, understand like bra burning feminism in a way that I never understood. Like I didn't, I, I, I understand it intimately in a way that I didn't understand now. And it, I, it's <laughs> talk about shadow work. This is a little tiny book and I wish that I had given myself more time to read it because there are some passages where I'm like, I need to just sit with this for oh, absolutely. days. I just need to like think about this for a couple of days and then maybe like it'll crystal like there's a lot of little crystal nuggets happening in my brain that aren't quite formed yet because I don't know I haven't thought about it enough like that's how much this book hit me and it's like 100 pages or some shit it's like really short yeah it's 120 pages or something yeah. like that yeah it's super short yeah I guess we'll deal with whatever you're stuck in <laughs> And yeah, we'll start at the hopefully beginning. Hopefully, progress, progress uh, more. So, okay. In the beginning, that's chapter one, basically the origin story. Yes. Now I feel like I'm, we're talking about a comic book here. Um, and the one text she references the most is the Zohar, which yeah. is a Kabbalistic work of the 13th century. Starts with the sun and the moon, which I thought was interesting right there. And I don't know. If, okay, that's. I was gonna say, is this where like a lot of your big boom moments? No one can see my face. I'm. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in the beginning, according to this book, the sun is masculine, the moon is feminine. Yes. Right. And they have a battle. Well, some of the stories there's a battle. Some of the stories there isn't a battle. It's just that God kind of um, gives the moon a demotion. It's not yeah. as powerful as the sun, and it's kind of like she's kind of humiliated and has yeah. to go off. And yeah, 
basically like they describe it as like a lover's quarrel or like the two of them are just like not friendly like it's not they yeah. just have beef right they're just not getting along yeah. and god is like no no no, I'll, i'm gonna squash the beef moon you suck yeah. it's like, you're out yeah 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 um literally i wrote multiple times bro i need to read the bible bro i need to read the bible because like where the fuck is that where the fuck is that it tells you in the in this book it's like the song of songs or something it's in the bible i could read it i hadn't read it i need to read it but it was giving me adam and eve vibes the whole idea of like you're cast out yeah you know what it's so funny because i had to read genesis for a high school english class um so like i've read the story of adam and eve and i'm like oh, okay yeah i got that this is worse the moon story is worse um especially because like you get this context of like right at the beginning of chapter one being like oh yeah lilith is equal to god right and you're right. talking about like this idea of duality in one and then it's like yeah the moon and the sun um they're beefing but it's like a low-key beef and god is like fuck that shit and then the moon has to go be with no light and it made me sad (laughs) and it yeah that was the beginning of me fully being because okay do you want to just do this do you want to just dive into the, the three things that i thought about yeah yeah let's just do that okay number one I think I trust men too much. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, let me explain. It's 2023, right? We live in a world that is like, it sometimes feels like post-feminist in that the major society that I'm surrounded by is very pro-women. It's very, you know, we're we're equals. We can do what we want, right? I'm in New York, right? Like that's where I'm at. And- and so it, it felt like a shock to me when Roe v. Wade was overturned. It was like, what is this? Um, but like there are there are fully living women who like didn't have a bank account because women legally couldn't have bank accounts. Right? Like like who's who had to have a father or a brother control their money for them. Those women are still alive. Right, in the way that like Ruby Bridges is still alive, right? We think we're so separated from history and these people are still there. And so to to start reading this was sort of like, oh, I've really bought into this kind of fake story of like we're all equal now. And then I'm looking back at the history and I'm like, okay, well, this these are stories from history. These are these are myths from history. This is how people really treated women. And I'm sitting here being like, no, no, we're, we're past that. We've moved on. No. Uh, no. What? Like, I, it, I, this book made me feel dumb, right? It made me feel dumb in a good way, but it made me feel dumb. And then to go on, and it's this constant conversation about the feminine and the way that Lilith is the dark feminine. And I'm like, damn, I don't think I've ever thought about gender this much. Mm. You know what I mean? And like... It makes me think of like when you look at the mythology, the feminine is constantly shit on. It's constantly diminished. It's constantly humiliated. And it's this weird space of like the gender binary is limiting to everybody. But also I don't – I haven't spent enough time truly interrogating the actual history of womanhood to be able to make a commentary 
on my own womanhood. I just bought into the story that we were all equal and everything is great without like recognizing like I knew I knew you know what I mean it's not like I didn't go to high school it's not like I didn't go to college I knew these things were true but I this made me feel it so I think it's, it could also be cultural because I definitely knew my whole life that women weren't equal like so my mom's family is very different from my dad's family and my mom's family was definitely very pro-education, like do as much as you can. So when mm-hmm. I said I wanted to go and then get a master's, he didn't say it to me. He didn't yeah. think that I knew this. But my dad did say to my mom, what's the point? She'll just get married and she won't even need her degree. And I remember thinking, what about you? having raised me makes you think that my big goal in life is to get married and never work. Like, where did that fit? Like, how, what did you see in me that made you think that's what I was going to do? Um, but I mean, it's, of that's course. not the only time. I mean, I, I go to Puerto Rico and, you know, basically my aunt mm-hmm. serves people. But once I was married, I was expected to serve my husband. Mm-hmm. Do you want any more? If he said yes, she would look at me. And because she was older and because like respecting my elders is something that's also very ingrained in me, I would get up and make a plate and I would put it in front of him and I would say, keep enjoying this. I will Mm -hmm. torture you when we get home. Like I was so angry and he could see it in my face. Like I cannot believe I have to serve this guy. He doesn't have the ability to serve himself. Like what is this? So... I was very much aware and also my grandmother was president of a feminist organization when I was a kid. And I used to hear them talk because she used to take me with her to like the meetings or whatever. And I would hear these women talk and no, things were not equal, especially in my community, right? The boys got away with everything. Like everybody I knew who had a brother didn't have to do a stitch of housework, didn't have to learn how to cook. Um, could do whatever they wanted. And it was always my girlfriends that had to do things in the house. So for me, it was very apparent. So when I went into the outside world and got a job and I saw how women were treated, like I I was very in tune with seeing that in my jobs and how men and women were treated because I was so used to seeing it in my family. You know, I I think the only reason I came out the way Mm. I did was my mother's side of the family was because my grandmother was a feminist you know was because my mother i would hear her standing up to my dad and saying things and i didn't hear that in my aunt's houses i didn't see that in my friends houses you know look i had a friend in high school let me tell you this story so we're coming home from school and we had to take two freaking trains to get there but anyway so we come on the neighborhood and her boyfriend's there and she gets a little nervous. I'm like, what What are you worried about? Like, why are you nervous to see your boyfriend? He comes over to her, doesn't even say hello to me. In fact, he told her after this whole thing that I was a bad influence. He didn't want her hanging out with me. Um, anyway, he took his thumb and like mushed her, mm-hmm. her lips, like to remove the gloss. She had lip gloss on. And he said, what did I tell you about wearing lipstick? And I looked at her like, you're going to tell him off, right? Like, Oh, my God. He put his hands on you like he's not your fucking father. And she was just like, no, I know. I was just trying it. And this was a girl that I had seen also Latina. 
seemed to be very vocal with everything. And I looked at her. I lost so much respect for her at that instant. Like if a boyfriend of mine dared do anything like that, I don't care if we were in public or not. I'd be like, this is over. Like you are never to tell me what's, nope. So I saw this my whole life. You're saying this and I'm like, wow, did I really buy into the myth of like the individual? Because you're right, right? Like I can think, I yeah, nobody's brother ever had to do anything. Boys never get taught how to clean up anything. Oh, uh, yeah. But see, this is the problem is I'm just, I'm stuck here right like this is such there's so much in this idea there's so much in the disconnect between the women who couldn't have bank accounts and me in 2023 that it's like I feel like I have to wade through all that space again and so it's like I almost want to I want to read the book again almost and like maybe I have to keep reading it as I as I unpack layers because like yeah it it deeply fucks me up that when you look at the different interpretations across the different cultures this entity is treated with both like the the respect of this this energy is equal to literally god but also the disrespect of this is nothing. She She's not worth it. She's not right. part. And like, then on top of that, I'm very vocal on the podcast about like, I try to take things in their original context as much as possible with mythology. And reading this book made me go, am I like conservative? Is witchcraft actually conservative? <laughs> not in the, not in like the Trump way. No, but like in a like literal definition of conservative way, because when I think about like witchcraft as a community, we've been plagued by appropriation for so long that the fight back against that does kind of sound like, well, don't take things and reinterpret them and create new and innovative things with them. And like that, that also fucked me up, right? Because I, I'm on here being like, well, you know, we shouldn't take Jewish myth out of context in Ju for Judaism and we shouldn't take Sumerian myth. But, but the whole point of Lilith is that this, this entity becomes syncreticized over history in all of these different cultures. And like, who am I to get on the podcast and be like, don't syncreticize shit in 2023? Okay, I think the problem is not so much... Okay, I think the problem is... Let me backtrack. I think the problem is... When we were first talking about witchcraft, and I don't mean us, you and me, I'm saying I think when witchcraft first happened, we know it was hand in hand with Wicca, period. Yes. So the only thing people were actually looking at was Celtic mythology, Anglo-Saxon yeah. mythology, right? All that stuff. Now, when we're talking about witchcraft, we're much more aware that there are other cultures. Mm -hmm. The thing is, when we're looking at other cultures, we're talking about closed practices, so it is a big deal to take from them. Oh, absolutely. We can still take stuff, just not taking from people who, right, have been marginalized and who have a system, yes. right? Even when we're talking about Wicca, we're talking about Wicca, Gardnerian Wicca is closed. You have to be initiated. We may read a lot of books on it, but unless you're part of a Gardnerian coven, right, um, can you say you, you, ha you, um, 
you actually are working with Gardneri and Wicca? Probably yeah. not. When I talk about Hellenismos, I, I don't, it's, I think it's a conservative take to be like, don't change the Greek gods. And like, I don't, that doesn't feel aligned with who I am as a person. So now I have to unpack that as well. Because Greek gods, that's an open practice. The Greek pantheon is absolutely 100% right. open. Right. But at the same time, Wiccans have done something with the Greek gods that Hellenics don't do. Should Wiccans be allowed to continue to do that? I, you know, I don't know now. You know, just like when we had Mara on and we were talking about Keridwen, right? This idea of not taking her myths, like taking her for what her myths are saying. Yes. But... What if you read her myths, right? Because like you can read Lilith as she is a demon who eats children and needs to be stopped. But you can also read Lilith as the dark feminine who needs to be embraced for you to become a whole person. And those are two very different interpretations of that text. True. Do you understand now why I was so fucked up? (laughs) Well, thanks for that. I won't be sleeping tonight because I'll be having deep thoughts. I mean, I don't know what the answer is. That's that's a really good question that I think every witch is going to have to answer differently because, I mean, now, we, you know, the most, the more we've talked about Hellenismos, the more I'm like, no, I don't think you can look at the Greek gods any other way. I think that you have to look at it from a Hellenic point of view. What are you, what are you worshiping then if you're not trying to reconstruct something that already was? Right. And I think that's what Gerald Gardner was trying to do in the early days of Wicca. Right. This is what or maybe he was just a con man putting it all together. But I think the whole idea of Wicca was we think because we don't know, but this kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. And if we put all of this together, then you, you get this way of worshiping people. And when you look at a lot of the people that have come out with books, witches that have come out talking about different mythologies they're trying to get close to the way things were so i agree with you but then we look at this book and right in the intro it talks about okay well first you have lilith as a wind spirit in sumeria and that gets mixed up Mm -hmm. with the hebrew concept of night and she becomes a succubus and then that gets mixed in with lamashtu who is i believe babylonian um who is literally the child killing demon and that's when you get like this this final idea of Lilith that I think most of us in 2023 are thinking of as like, she is a succubus, but she also kills children and she's like a demon and she was Adam's first wife. But how do you, how do you deal with an entity like that? That is so many different cultures. And when you look at the Greek gods, that is the same because Alexander the Great decided to spread (laughs) the Hellenistic culture all over the world. So now the Greek gods are also, this kind of weird mix of other cultures. How how do you... Hey, Scorpio, how do we approach this? What's the take? <laughs> okay, so this is how I approach Lilith. Okay. I think she's awesome. But what... No, how do I really take it? I take it as... Lilith was a brilliant piece of propaganda. Ooh, continue talk about that so we have these different cultures these different countries and we have different pagan outlooks 
right? That's what Christianity did. So most of these pagan religions, even when you're talking about the indigenous people of Puerto Rico, you had people in charge that were women, you had people in charge that were men, and a lot of these these um, societies were matriarchal. So I'm going to create this creature, okay, that's evil, to show you the difference between the purity of Eve and the evil of Lilith. Don't be like her, you want to be like the other one. And then other cultures were like, did it work? Are, are your women in line now? Okay, cool. So guess what? Now, what, what, what do we most fear? Well, maybe this culture fears killing children more. <gasps> you know what she does? She kills children. What? I didn't know that. Yep, it's true. She kills kids. You don't want to be like that. You don't want to be a kid killer. Yeah. I know we, I did this in another podcast, but Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> Dracula literally kills women and yeah. men. When a female becomes a vampire, oh, now she's now she's eating children. Now she's killing kids. Oh, she's worse than the man ever mm-hmm. was. It's a brilliant piece of propaganda. Lilith became the boogie woman that every society needed to get a hold of their women in these new patriarchal religions. First of all, yes. So let's just start with that. First of all, correct. Um, yeah, and like that's my problem is that I bought it. I bought it because I'm I'm reading. There's a the quote about Gilgamesh's heroic sword of masculine consciousness, and I'm like, my first my first thought, me, Gemini, 2023. Really, like really, all these men were out here, and they were like, women are stupid and bad, and that's really. Yes, really. What? But my immediate, like, my gut reaction was to be like, I don't know. I can't, I can't believe that they really were, like, they really hated us that much. (laughs) But they did. They did. Well, I think the hate comes from a fear. I think most hate comes from fear. Right? Because let's face it, and my grandmother used to say this all the time. The children of my daughters, I know are my grandchildren. The children of my sons, I'm not quite sure. And I was like, Grandma. And she goes, whose word do I have? That woman's word? (laughs) And I was like, but when you think about it, and I I read something where they were talking about, you know, genealogy and bloodlines. It really goes through the mom. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Do you want to talk about mitochondria? (gasps) Okay. So this is super fun because we actually can trace, like, historically back to mitochondrial Eve. So... I'll just real real quick for everybody who's not a science person. Your cells, they're made up of little tiny smaller parts. Uh, one of those tiny smaller parts is a mitochondria. It's the powerhouse of the cell. That's a meme. Um, and the mitochondria has its own DNA, basically. Um, it, it was probably like absorbed uh, as like its own living cell and was absorbed by another cell. And anyway, you can literally trace the DNA from your mitochondria back like 800 generations or some shit uh 80 generations i don't remember how many generations of women there have been but all of them we can go back to mitochondrial eve the first woman um and i have been uh told by mr gemini to also mention that all of the organelles come from the mom which is correct all of the organelles that will eventually become the fetus and then the baby come from the egg not the sperm there is nothing in the sperm but dna thank you mr gemini one day we're going to have Mr. Gemini on the show. Don't say that. He is. He will do it. 
We got we got we have to find something. We have to find something that's really good. I think it would be great. Um, so it's propaganda. So they they fear. I think men feared the idea of losing control of that. Yeah. Right. If women can go off and have sex with whoever and have children, and you know, men could just be used to work the fields, while the women <laughs> can think about these big ideas yeah. and. Um, so it was a way to grab control. All right. So let's get back to Lilith. So now if we go into chapter two, it's all about life and death. Now, here's something that I found fascinating. Even when men were writing about themselves, they somehow managed to look bad. So one of the problems <laughs> that they had was that Adam was screwing everybody, as in animals. So he's sleeping with animals and yeah. God was like, all right, this guy, we got to find him somebody. You couldn't write a better story than that. It doesn't make her look bad. It makes him look him gross. Look bad, yeah. Like, ew, I wouldn't want to sleep with him either if I was Lilith. Like, yeah. He has fleas. Like, what has who has he been, what has he been sleeping with? Like every mm -hmm. animal God has made that he named. So it's just like, all right, that was just creepy in and of itself. But then we have this idea of grandmother Lilith and the young girl Lilith. Mm -hmm. Wait, did she have a name? I'm looking at my... I just have Maiden. I thought she had like another little name. Little I name. I mean, didn't like, I didn't write it, it down like, because I was too busy having like deep thoughts about gender and masculinity and <laughs> Okay, I can't find it. But I could have sworn that it was like two different names. But... So Grandmother Lilith is the spouse of one demon king. Mm -hmm. And then the other... The maiden is the spouse spouse of another demon king. So not only is she bad, and not only do these different cultures take her as different forms of badness, but now we're going to split her up mm -hmm. into two different aspects of being bad. Ooh. And also neither of those aspects of being bad are the mother. Right. That's the other thing. She is never a mother figure. And that's, that's fucked up role. on a couple of le levels because, like, so many women struggle with infertility issues and then to mm -hmm. have this, like, deeply ingrained propaganda piece being like, yeah, if you aren't a mom, you're this evil hoe who's going to, like, like, actively kills children instead of birthing them. Like, that's so fucked up. But that's been throughout literature. Why did the Macbeths not have kids? Because she was a horrible woman. Yeah. Oh, my God. Bad women don't have kids. I am so happy you're an English teacher. <laughs> I just feel like sometimes you you say shit and I'm like, only an English teacher would have thought of this. But I have to tell the kids when we're reading stuff, like, it's only modern literature where you can have couples saying, I don't want to have kids. Yeah. Right? Every piece of literature, couples have kids because, hey, you know, yeah. you don't have birth control. You're going to mm -hmm. have kids. So unless, like you said, people that are struggling with infertility, right? But in literature, they didn't really talk about that. Yeah. So when you look at some evil, quote unquote, evil women in literature, they don't have kids. And sometimes, sometimes it's the couple's fault in general. Mm -hmm. Like once we get into Othello, Iago is more evil than Amelia, but they don't have kids. You cannot grow something from evil. And this is That's the whole this. point. Yeah. That's Lilith. Exactly. Again, I know they were trying to do this in a good way. 
Eve is the one who's allowed to give birth to children. Yes. Lilith gives birth to demons. But again, right? And this is where the propaganda works for the men. And they really had to drive it home for the women. Given a choice between being an Eve who's sleeping with somebody who's into bestiality or being Lilith and probably having some kick-ass sex with a demon and giving birth to kids who are going to like speak up for themselves because they're demons. They're not just going to take stuff lying down. Mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I think Lilith is still looking better over Eve. Yeah, I mean, here's the here's the thing. I <laughs> there's so much there's so much gender in this book. There's so much gender. Like Yeah. I feel like I feel like we've been I don't know about you. I feel like I have been overwhelmed through social media with this idea of like get in touch with the dark feminine the shadow feminine is so important and um you know i i think i see a lot of talk like nowadays recently in the last couple of years about like get like cycle syncing and getting in touch with your menstrual cycle and the the dark moon and all that shit and i found it um weird i found it like kind of off-putting and then you read this book and you're like oh the historical representation of the oppressed feminine is a real thing that you really do need to think about when you identify as a woman <laughs> like that's yeah. it's not just and i think lilith is so much about this idea of like a societal relationship with femininity because mm -hmm. yeah it's when you just treat it as like oh well like i'm going to deal with my dark shadow like okay everybody's got their own dark feminine i guess but this is about lilith is not about your individual dark feminine she's about our individual dark feminine and mm -hmm. so like in this book when they're talking about like the retreat to the wilderness as associated with menstruation it doesn't feel as gross it doesn't mm -hmm. feel as like biologically limiting because it's very much this idea of like okay well yeah historically there were lots of cultures where you were considered literally unclean and what does a relate what relationship does a person then build when this biological function that happens to you basically every month is demonized and it's lilith lilith is the demon that was created from that story but we can also look at it because she mentioned in the book as a way of we're free we're free of these constraints we are menstruating good get away from me i'm going off into the woods yes. to be my authentic self right I think it's all perspective. She also mentions that Lilith really is for the older woman, the woman who yes. no longer has to worry about kids, but can now worry about the work that fulfills her. And isn't that sad? Like, so you have to wait how many years to be a whole person? You can't just be a whole person, right? Yeah. Um, I still think people who identify as men should get angry at this. Um. I would still rather be seen as a demon than like a pig fucker. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, no, the bestiality thing yeah. is, is not, I'm not a fan of it. <laughs> Personally, yeah. I don't like that. Um, and not even, a, <laughs> that's a, that's such like a chill way to refer to that. It's so gross. I'm sorry. But it just I, I also like, there's talk in those, those three chapters that I'm stuck on about Solomon and how Solomon was mm. able to internalize he was so wise he was able to internalize this kind of dark feminine energy and become 
whole through that and become so wise through that. And he was able to identify Lilith through his wisdom and understanding of that dark feminism and the story of like how he makes the the glass under the throne and he can identify the Queen of Sheba as Lilith by her hairy legs. But like he in in the Zahar that she references repeatedly, it is specifically said Solomon became so wise because he was able to internalize the dark feminine. So clearly men have to do it too. It's not yes. just for women. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think I, I think Solomon is generally considered like a good example. So, you know, you might want to be wise. You might have to then deal with your own Lilith, male, female, or otherwise. Right. Yeah. It also seems like they are 1,000% obsessed with sex. Yes. Everything is this fear of women having sex. Um, but, but you know what? It's like what your grandma said. The children of my daughters I know are my grandchildren. Yeah. Right? Like, you didn't have DNA testing. Of course, they're afraid of women having... Once you start having land and property and ownership, you need to be able to prove that the son that you are giving shit to is your son. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting is that she mentions that although God tried to make Eve chase, women (laughs) still have all these other faults. So my whole question was, so God isn't God after all? I mean, I'm God. (laughs) I'm making a woman. How do I want her to be? I want her to be like X. Oh, she didn't turn out that way. Um, So God makes mistakes? Yeah, that is a bigger and more complicated question that I would love to discuss in detail on the podcast. Um, But there are a couple different liturgical... (laughs) See, the problem is I'm, I was raised Catholic, so I'm coming at it from a Catholic perspective. There are a couple of different takes um, to that question because that question is the same question as like, why does evil happen? Yeah. Right? Like if, if, if God is God, then why do bad things happen? If God is God, then why was Eve not exactly how he conceived her? Um, and I think Lilith is part of that because if Samael is the devil and Leviathan is the devil and these devils exist... The devils are here to do bad stuff. So something else that I thought was interesting when we're talking about witchcraft and Lilith and maybe why she comes up in witchcraft. Oh, so yeah, I think this was I don't know if was chapter three or four, but um so they're saying that Eve is life nourishing, Lilith is Lilith is death dealing. Lilith rules the equinoxes and the solstices. And like Hecate, her powers are greatest at crossroads, crossroads of a woman's life. Puberty, menstruation, beginning and ends of pregnancy, motherhood, and menopause. So she's there at every crucial moment in a woman's life. Even though she's not a mother, she's she is there at motherhood. So... I'm going to go I'm going to go back to the wilderness for a minute. She talks about in the book that a lot of times women going into the wilderness was like almost it was madness, right? They would go and they would they would cry and just go insane for a little bit. And I think all of those times that you're talking about are times where you're just like this close to the edge. Right? Like you're you're I nobody can see my fingers. They're they're touching. <laughs> they're like basically you are this close to just going absolutely fucking bonkers and like 
I've said this. I've, I don't know if I've said this to you, but I've definitely said this to other people. What if we just went ape shit? What if you just did it? What if you just went ape shit? Um, and like, I've never done it. I've never done it. I don't have the balls to go ape shit, but they're there. Like those, those times are the times where I am. I'm so ready to just bug the fuck out to just absolutely go off. And so I get it. I, I, I get, I physically feel it. The idea of her being there because that's what it is. It's, it's that tinge of madness that colors these major life changes. But isn't it interesting that at these really significant moments in a woman's life, because we're talking about puberty, menstruation, pregnancy, I mean, everything. It's not Eve. It's not the strength of Eve that we need. It's Lilith who's there. Because the woman has been oppressed and Lilith is there to hold you while you cry about the fact that you as a woman don't get to enjoy the privileges you deserve. Right. I just said that like it was really obvious and now I'm having emotions about it. <laughs> Sorry, you know I wasn't prepared for that. Because <laughs> you know what it makes me think? It makes me think that, again, just like they thought they were doing guys a favor by writing Adam the way they did. And yes, they think, see, we're going to teach women. You don't want to be Eve. You want to be Lilith. No. No, everything that I'm reading about this is I want to be Lilith. I want Lilith to have my back. That's... You know what I mean? I'm sorry. I'm actually really sad right now. Uh, Why? I'm laughing because of, I'm a Gemini. Because how fucked up is it that you have to, that you're, that you're mourning? You're mourning when you hit the, like, when, when Lilith is there, it is not a good thing. And these are like major stages of your life. And every one of them is fundamentally not a good thing. Do you, I need to read this book like 17 more times. You know, as a teacher, sometimes you have girls that come up to you and they're like, you know, I, I have cramps or whatever. And they're really low. And what I like about this generation I said, they'll come in and they'll just be like, oh, my God, like my cramps are out of control. And they'll just yeah. say it loudly. And I'm like, yes, say it loudly. Why have we for years been like, you know, what? did you have a tampon? Like, don't whisper it. Does anybody have a tampon? I need a tampon. I mean, if you needed a tissue, you would say it. Yeah. Anybody have a tissue? But girls always felt this, shh, lower your voice. What do you need? No, no. That's Eve. Every time that we whisper about our stuff, it's Eve. It's time to be a Lilith and say, I have my period. Does anybody have a tampon? And if men get uncomfortable, ask yourself, why are you uncomfortable? You're here because you're your mom's missed period. Like, <laughs> that's what we all are. So this idea of like, oh, don't talk about periods to me. You're one. You're a period. Get used to it. I, I, you know what I need to know? I need to know what, what? my parents did to make me... The way that I am, and I mean that as a compliment to them, because at no point in my life did I ever, like, I just, I just have always been like, yeah, I can do whatever I want. Yeah. I can do whatever I want. I, that's totally fine. I can do whatever I want. I have never felt from, at least internally, the pressures 
that society put on me, I have always known that those were external things. But I, because of that, I never interrogated them particularly deeply. I always could just go, well, this is, that's what society says. And I do or do not have to approve of that. Right. And I think we've talked a lot on the podcast about how, like, you don't always realize when, like, you've internalized a thing. Right. And, like, <laughs> historically, I have thought I was too smart for that shit, so it took me a while to realize when I internalized certain things. And, like, I think that this book is so important even just to understand the historicity of womanhood as a concept i i am i have been and continue to be blown away not just by the text but obviously by the conversation but but the way that this book really brings to light the true facts of the propaganda the dichotomy between lilith and eve the the solarization right the the sonification both S-U-N and S-O-N of culture and therefore myth, right? Because myth is what creates culture. It's what we use to support culture. Like, I feel like my brain is melting out of my ears. I think this is just a great read for right now. And to have everybody... I don't care what gender you are. All of the genders should be reading this because we've internalized all of this, whether we were raised this way or not. Yeah. Right? As much as I know my mother and my grandmother were both very much feminists and whatever anybody else can do, you can do it. Right? There's nothing that you're not capable of doing. And not because I was a girl, just in general. Yes. You are the same as everybody else. You can do everything. I did also grow up in a household where I saw my dad's family and, you know, relating that back to society, you know, also my brother was gay. So seeing, you know, gender and sexuality and the fear of it in society was present in my home. He wanted to have his hair long when I was little. And my mom said to me, she lived in fear that his long hair would get him beat up or killed. Right. So this idea of your gender and or your sexuality somehow upsetting society was ever present like in as a child for me. One of the things that I thought about in reading the book was the AIDS crisis and how mm. AIDS obliterated a generation of primarily gay men but a generation of the LGBTQ spectrum. And so much wasn't passed on because of that and i don't know what it was for women because i don't think that that there was an aids crisis of women at least not in america like a comparable event but i feel like like something has been lost i feel like this book was the bridge between early feminism and right now for me and i I wish, I wish that I knew why I was missing what feels like a download from the women that came before me. 
So I think part of the problem, speaking as a woman that came before you, <laughs> barely. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, no, but I'm just saying I'm not yes. like, you know. Yes. Um, but I remember being in college and I took a feminism. Did I ever tell you about my feminist philosophy class I took? Um, not that I recall, but I forget okay. a lot of I, things. I loved it. I wish I knew the name of the professor. She, I thought, was brilliant. She reminded me of like a German like writer, always dressed in black, hair in a tight bun, right? I don't know if she smoked, but I always pictured her smoking and writing, mm-hmm. like in her journal or something. Really smart woman. And then I don't know what we read, but it had to do with sexuality. Mm-hmm. And there was this thought pattern back then that pornography bad. I'm not saying it's good. I'm just saying this idea that the idea of women wanting to express themselves. And there are a lot of directors now that are women who mm-hmm. are producing porn for women, you know, a lot of different erotica. But back then it was really male dominate, dominated for the most part. I think there were women back then. I, I knew of a couple of um, producers and one of the people and she was going on and on about how terrible it was. And I remember being so angry in the class that day because I said, how Dare you not allow us to have all the freedom the men have with their bodies? Like in my mind, this is what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. And there was this um, performance artist and at one point singer and all this stuff, Lydia Lunch. And I knew her. And she did films that were art films, but definitely tended towards, they're not porn, but definitely she was exploring her body. Let's put mm-hmm. it that way. And I remember I had a conversation with her about this and she got angry. She's like, I'd like to come in and do a talk at your class. I'm like, really? So I said to the professor and I'm like, here goes my A because I had a, A, you know how I am with my my grades. So I was like, with all due respect, I think you're wrong. And I told her, she was like, you know her. And I was apparently she didn't think she was awesome. And I was like, yeah, she came in and she gave one hell of a talk. And at the end I thought, well, now that I have a, B or a C, but I spoke to my professor and she said, Mm -hmm. you gave me a lot to think about. And she wasn't, she wasn't old, but she was older. Mm -hmm. And I think she wanted to hear what I had to say. Like I, I very much was very excited when I started hearing about women producing erotic content Mm -hmm. that was not like a Hallmark film or something, because that's how I felt. I felt like why can't we all just enjoy our sexuality? Why does it have to be like this weird thing about it? Um, and why can't we have films that actually represent that, you know, for yeah. all genders? It's not just the lens of like the guy's idea of what it should be. Um, where am I talking about this? Oh, the download. So I think that, you know, we live in a bubble. We live in New York. And I think even in New York, we have the split of women who yeah. haven't looked at themselves this way, who haven't looked at the whole idea of where, why do we, why is somebody a harlot? Because that's the name that they kept using yes. for Lilith, right? What makes somebody a hoe, a slut? Talk about people saying we shouldn't be slut shaming, right? That's a that's a thing now. Yeah. Because where does that come from? Why do we feel a need to put other women down because they're expressing their sexuality? Because of Eve and Lilith, period. Whether we realize it or not, it's coming from that. So when you say you haven't gotten a download, it's because 
women haven't really examined this and they haven't really come to terms with it and actually said like this to me was so reaffirming yeah like i read this and i'm like yes i'm not crazy you're crazy was kind of how i felt you know about <laughs> yes. society it's not me it's you society um and yeah i will be a demon loving lilith any day of the week but i also think now that we can say, you know, oh, yeah, I'd rather be a Lilith. How about we get rid of both of them? Because women aren't Eve and women aren't Lilith. They you, just are. It's, you have to mush them together. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Hey, at least we're not having sex with animals. So at the yeah, end of the day. wasn't great. <laughs> I Yeah. So in case anybody didn't get the vibe, you need to read this book. You have to. Yeah. I don't think there is... I, I, it's we're 56 minutes into the audio i don't think there's any value in us going chapter by chapter and telling you the story i think you need to read it for yourself because i think yes. that it is so powerful and and, and I, again i'm i'm the person who would have come on this podcast and been like i don't like that you're talking about lilith like this you're reinterpreting her this isn't the original interpretation uh, uh, uh. no both first of all it is a hundred percent an original interpretation literally yeah. referenced a, a bunch of different times but also i'm wrong you should reinterpret things sometimes looking at this through a new context is important and looking at lilith through the context of the history of the woman i think is more important than literally going oh well this is lamash too and this is a wind spirit and blah 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 if you weren't thinking about your relationship to gender, reading this book will do it for you. <laughs> yeah, but and I and I think it's it's a it's a good one for this year, considering everything that's a happened politically. Or we're talking about shadow work. Um, are you ready for my quote? Yes, tell me your quote. So it is actually from the last page, page one hundred and twenty-two to be exact, and it's the last little thing she wrote. And I just think it's a great way to wrap up the podcast, too, with this. So so she says that the modern woman, and I'm going to say the modern person, period, needs to reconnect with Lilith, right? There was a time when you were not a slave. Remember that. You walked alone, full of laughter. You bathed bare-bellied. You say you have lost all recollection of it. Remember. You say there are no words to describe it. You say it does not exist. But remember, make an effort to remember or failing that, invent. And I can't think of a better way to have her wrap it up. Remember who you are. In the beginning, in the true beginning of life, did we have any of this? Forget mythology, forget what the Bible or any Old Testament, whatever says, we were just beings. Yeah. And then we added this idea that somebody was female and somebody was male and somebody was better than somebody else. And remember. And if you can't remember, then it's time to create it. It's time to invent the new reality for all genders on the planet. Yeah. Wow. Wow, 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 wow. Wow. So, um... Yeah, I'm going to go continue to just lose my mind over this book. I'm going to read it three or four more times. Uh, it's just, yeah, I have to go remember. That's what I have to do. And me, I'm just going to take a bow 
or of recommending another book to finally reading this book that I got when I was in yes to finally reading this book I love I, it I, I know I have other books like that to be honest with you and I, and I think a lot of times it's just this is gonna sound weird but sometimes I feel like once I finish with a book like oh yeah like now it's over I read it but, yeah I feel like that yeah. with this one but it's definitely something you can come back to I'm, I have to. I literally have to. I, there's no other option for me. All right. Whew. Whew. Ah. <laughs> Alrighty then, guys. <laughs> Thanks for being amazing. Thanks for being the best listeners ever. Thanks for putting up with me. If you have takes, please tell us them. Hit us up in the DMs. Email us at witchspaceco on Instagram and witchspaceco at gmail.com. Thank you, of course, to Kano and Moore for our amazing intro and outro music. And remember, if you're following the moons, you're following us. Mm-hmm.